Gunther Steiner is out at Haas F1. I did not expect to start the show with those words. And since the news came out on Wednesday, there's been a lot, actually quite a bit of information that has come out. A good bit from Gunther himself, and we are going to get into all of that. This is John Massengill, and welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. And I'm joined by Jonathan Green, Bob Varsha, and former Haas F1 team manager, Dave O'Neill. Uh, Jonathan, I want to start with you because I want you to try to get us uh, somewhat succinctly up to speed on exactly what happened with Gunther Steiner. Well, uh, the season finished. They were last. Um, as you know, um, he remains probably the most popular uh, team manager. And just because of Drive to Survive in America, in America alone, team managers and their notoriety have become famous, um, especially Gunter. Um, but I don't think anybody expected this. Um, and Gene Haas basically pulled the plug between Christmas and New Year with a phone call. Uh, and typical American style, not allowing his team principal, the man who pretty much whose idea and inception it was to create Haas, didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to the people that made it happen. And whether you uh, like it or not, um, it was a pretty inauspicious way for a man who's done a great deal of work for a Formula One team um, to be let go the way he was. Um, and that those are the facts. Um, like it or lump it. Uh, I've got a lot of opinions, which we'll share, I'm sure, with the rest of you guys. But that's the facts. Bob Varsha, I want to go to you next. And we're going to get into you, okay. Dave O'Neill, quite a bit with your experience with the Haas team. But, Bob, um, you've seen a bunch of these come and go. Did this surprise you? Yeah, it did, actually. Um, now, having said that, years ago, uh, I thought moving Gunther on would be a good thing for the team because they were stuck in that long decline that resulted them in them being 10th and stone last in the constructors championship for three straight years. But um, yeah, this, this one kind of hurts it, uh, for all the reasons Jonathan mentioned. I think it was not handled in a very classy way by Gene Haas, but as Gunther has said to his credit time and again, it's Gene's team. He can do whatever he wants with it. Now, whether we'll know the full facts or not, Maybe when Dave answers your questions, we will. But um, there's a lot of, of stories going around, one of which I saw uh, Helmut Marco from Red Bull quoted as saying that he heard that Gunter had approached Gene Haas about getting shares in the team. He wanted an equity position in the team, uh, which Gene declined, which is maybe a little bit out of character because all of Gene's other racing operations are with uh, co-owners, as it were. So um, that seemed not entirely implausible. Um, and there was also talk about the direction that Gunther wanted to take the team. Gene didn't agree. I tend to come down on Gunther's side on that because um, Gene is not exactly a hands-on owner. We've talked before, and I've been barking on a lot about how successful team uh, principals, Toto Wolf, Christian Horner, um, Zach Brown, are not engineers, they're not designers, they're not mechanics. To some extent, they're race drivers, including Horner and, of course, Zach Brown. Um, but they refuse to get involved on the technical side. And um, in an interview, Gene Haas said, well, 
we've got a great engine, we've got a great car, it must be aerodynamics. Um, and maybe Gunther disagreed with that. Um, maybe in the fullness of time, we'll know. I've listened to a couple of interviews with Gunther since. Um, he has really not let much out of the bag in terms of information. You know, he says he wants to keep it private. It's Gene's team. He can do what he wants. Um, but, it, you know, it kind of strikes me as being a little bit um, like another team firing, uh, team manager firing we saw earlier this year, Otmar Safnauer, because he mm. said uh, the bosses at Renault kept meddling, you know, we should be on this schedule. We should be doing this by this time. And Otmar kept saying, you know, it takes time. There is a plan in place. It's going to get there, but it ain't going to get there this year. And, you know, next thing you know, he's on the street. So hopefully we'll know. Um, I feel for Gunther, but he seems very upbeat. Uh, I imagine he'll be in some demand. I mean, a guy with his level of popularity. In fact, maybe that was his undoing, as I wrote to you guys a week or so ago. It, it kind of reminded me of when Tiger... Um, um, Help me. Tiger what Tiger Woods. I hate golf. When Tiger Woods <laughs> fired his his original caddy, Fluff, who was yeah. gaining an outsized uh yeah. personality, an outsized popularity, uh Tiger fired him because you know the employee is not supposed to be more famous than the uh employer. So there may be a little bit of this in there as well. But sorry for the long answer. Uh, I'm just running through all the different reasons that I can think of. Well, I want to go to you, Dave. Um, look, I know you were there from day one with Gunther. And let's not forget, I mean, this was what the Haas F1 team was basically, If I, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but this was Gunther's idea and Gunther's concept to use the Ferrari, as much of a Ferrari you know, car as he could. And then he went to Gene with the idea. Is that right? Uh, you're muted, Dave. Yeah, pretty much. I think the, um, he did doorstep um, another OEM before he got to Ferrari, which he got refused by, which I believe, um, I mean, could be wrong, but I believe it was Mercedes. Um, but he, you know, he came up with this idea. He ran the, the Red Bull truck um, in, in the States, um, and that didn't have great success, so they shut that down, um, and he started his carbon... Uh, Fiberworks company up, um, and w which is pretty successful, makes carbon seats for NASCARs and um, a load of other components that go on the NASCAR and, and other race cars in the States and around the world as well, um, for some Formula One teams as well. But he, his idea was, um, you know, he found um, a hole in the rules, um, which was that um, you, could, you could basically spend a year developing the car before you put your entry in because you could get an entry then um and um he, he went to the to the teams and said like you know i've got a great idea you know we can use uh we can use the model um and we can develop it um and also not only that we'd like to buy your engine your battery your gearbox your steering wheel your fuel cell hmm. your suspension your uprights even your wheels so um, the only thing that was left to do was the aero surfaces. So it was a fantastic idea. And obviously you go to um, one of the top teams who would want to sell it and also maybe um, spend time together, shall we say, developing the aero surface or aero surfaces. So you had two lots of uh, development going on. Um, anyway, winding back a little bit, he, he 
the story he told me was that he basically got the phone number of every billionaire he could find in in the states, um, <laughs> rang them all up, kissed all the frogs, as you say, um, <laughs> and got on a plane, spent a, a huge amount of his own money. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't someone was kind of feeding him the the dream, the money, etc. He it was his idea. He jumped on the plane, doorstep these people, asked them for, you know. 50 million or whatever it was when you needed 500 million to start it just to get them in the door. And um, it seemed like Gene was the one who he thought was a great idea. Um, and then uh, the Hass F1 team was born, went from there. And then moving on to what I talked about earlier was he went around looking for the, the, uh, the manufacturer that would support the effort, um, which he did. Now, the, the, the biggest thing that um, when you start a Formula One team up is not just the engines you need, it's all the off-car equipment. So you have all the infrastructure that supports the car, the team, um, back at the factory, um, all, the, all, the, um, all the areas that you need to run all the components on the car and have communication with, service them. So you don't just take them back and service them, you have to send them back to Ferrari. So all that had to be built up and thought of um but yeah basically john that's that's kind of how it started well when did you get that call from gunther to join the haas team did you and when you did did you what do you think was this just going to be another job or could you potentially see a, a, a the, some success well i i kind of got a call after it was manor at the time had had closed the doors um and then kind of started up a couple of months later um, but it, um, December of 2014, um, I was in New York for Christmas and I got a phone call from Gunther and he said, I'd like to uh, talk to you about um, setting up the, helping set up this Formula One team I've got an entry for. And at that stage, I was like, oh, here we go. It's another one of the Maharaja, Caterham, HRT, USF1 outfits with you know, promised money, shall we say, <laughs> and never ended up. So I kind of... Big know, dreams. Said, yeah, in his dreams, yeah. So I, I kind of said, well, is it going to be like the others? And he, um, you know, we're on the radio now, but he said, whatever you do, don't effing mention those teams to me. <laughs> um, he said, it's going to be nothing like them. Um, we're going to have money. It's going to be organised. Um, I don't want to hear those words again. So, um, you know, a couple of months later, well, after Christmas, we flew back. Um, I signed the Chris, I signed my contract on Christmas Eve, which was quite a nice present. Um, got back and <laughs> he said, what do you think of the Maharaja factory? And I'm like, well, you know, it's okay. Needs a bit of work doing to it. Didn't have any money spent on it for a while. He goes, oh, I was thinking of, uh, thinking of buying that. And, um, you know, putting the race team there. So I said, well, yeah, if you're just using it as a race team, it would be fine because, you know, it, it doesn't have the space that um, your Ferraris, like the Jess, which is what Ferrari's building is called, it's called Jess. It's probably 100,000 square foot. This thing was 15,000 square foot. Um, so we, we kind of, you know, that's when the journey started, if you like, was... Um, January the 6th, I think, when I came back, there was three people in this damn cold factory. Um, we had to find a heating switch and get it going. Um, and then 
you know, the, the, the kind of, like I say, the journey started from there, which was pretty cool. All right, well, looking at the clock here, let's go to our first break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Dave O'Neill and Bob Barsha and Jonathan Green back after these messages. All right, we're live on YouTube. Let's see what the boys are saying. I knew Drew was going to be first in because <laughs> he said three years too late. Yeah, he's been he's been banging that drum. Drew, Drew in fact, you sparked me to – to mention this possibility, uh, I didn't really think it was going to happen, but I thought it was a possibility. But uh, yeah, Kevin Kelly says it's freezing. It's freezing here too in Texas. It's like twenty-something degrees here. Uh, Drew says I see interesting parallels between Gene's F1 and NASCAR teams, both struggling to be competitive. Haas needs more money. Yep. Kevin Kelly. That's says. my point. Yep. Yep. Andy There's Keith. the first first radio headset cup. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. What am I offered? <laughs> you need the other one, Bob. <laughs> I bet you can hear the ocean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, when you put it to your ear, it goes, we're all looking like Wankers, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. that line. Oh, here, we'll come back. Yeah, there's, there's another point to be made here about the future of the team and Yeah, is it quite a nice position to be in now, the second race of the season, and you're thinking, oh, ninth isn't quite the maximum this car could have got. We could have had more points. No, it's, it's always disappointing. You always want maximum. But uh, but then if you think about it, you cannot be too greedy. You know, I mean, uh, last year uh, for two points, uh, I mean, I would have fucked uh, the whole paddock, you know. So uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good place to be in. Yeah, hopefully. I'm sure America doesn't mind, but I'll apologize for the language that was in that, that previous answer. Great stuff. Good to thank you very much. And well done today. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Chris, you've achieved it all. Gunther said the F word on our show. I think we can just go ahead and shut the whole thing down now. That's he didn't, He's frowning at me that he didn't say the F word, but I definitely heard him say the F word. What, <laughs> I don't well, know. I thought he said them, what, what, back what of the did grid. you say you would do to the whole whole paddock? Huck them. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 oh, Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Uh, I had to play that. That was, uh, yeah, that's gold. That's gold. We've yeah. made history. Yeah. And, uh, the other half, and of we that never heard from the FCC. Yeah. The other uh -huh. half of that conversation was played out on Netflix, of course. And that's been shared yeah. quite a bit this week on, uh, on social media sure. where, where the, uh, it was pretty cool to see the other half of that conversation to see when Gunther walked away and said, yeah, he looked to, to his PR guy <laughs> Uh, what did I say? Stuart, he goes, what, what did I say? Did I say? And, and Stuart, what, what just, language did I use? Stuart, knowing him so well, says, did you drop an F-bomb? And Guther's like, no. <laughs> so we thought you did. But anyway. Oh, uh, uh, well. That was that Hands was amazing. across the water. Yeah. Well, uh, coming back into this, Jonathan, you had some theories, you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there's two things I want to talk about on this show, and that's the theories of, of why, and then... The, f the future uh, and the decision and, and the ramifications of that decision for Gene. Um, and I want to include Dave in that conversation, obviously. Um, but one of my theories is um, it goes back to what you were just saying or what Bob was just saying about the Tiger Woods scenario, which is 
you know, you've got a guy who is without doubt one of the most popular figures in Formula One and remains to this day, even without a job that 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 way. He's had more TV time than any other team manager bar Christian Horner, who wins all the races, and Toto Wolff, who last decade won all, won, won all the races. So that's pretty impressive. And if you're Gene Haas and pretty much an introvert, I mean, I've chased him around for four years and had one interview with him. Um, he, and, and like you say, he's, he's not present at many races. Um, you've got to think to yourself when you get up in the morning uh, as Gene Haas and see your, your, your company, your multi-million dollar success story, although it's had its ups and downs, Haas Automation, uh, and then seeing yourself as the worst team in a racing team with your name on the side. And then Gunter getting offers from CBS to do a mini series, putting out a book, putting out a, uh, an audio place and, and, and lines that you've just heard. Um, it's got to wrangle a little, especially. And he used the words embarrassing in the statement of getting rid of Gunter. And there's got to be a, a touch of that whereby it just doesn't fly for an American successful owner uh, whether it be a football team or a racing team, to have that parallel going on. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Jonathan. It's, um, you know, Gene Haas, even after the last 10 years, would hopefully be honest with himself and say, I don't know all about Formula One. I run a huge business worldwide. I've got other racing teams, other genres, NASCAR, what have you. Um but, you know, going back to my point earlier about how the really successful team owners do not get involved in the design and engineering of or, or running of their race cars. I hope this is not Gene Haas getting out there. He says it's got to be aerodynamics. Well, you're paying an awful lot of smart people uh, to work very hard on this problem uh, and to point a finger at one area and say, that's it, fix that and we'll do better is a little over the top. And we, it's worth noting that um, um, that Io, who we all had a chat with in, uh, yeah. in Austin this year, um, will take over as team principal, and he's lost his technical director as well because Simone Resta has left the team. So here he is looking forward. The car's got to be ready to go. They're testing in a couple of weeks. But, you know, it's a, it's a whole new world for this team, and where do you go? Uh, when two big chunks of the chain of command have been um, changed, not removed, but changed, you know, new people would be appointed, very smart people. But I mean, we all know form if formula one was a pure spending contest, the richest team would win all the, what, all the time. Uh, I don't think red bull is the richest team. I don't think they have the biggest investment, but they obviously have the formula down. Um, it's an engineering contest and you got to have the right people in the right places and, and go forward on that basis. So I think before he starts pointing fingers, Gene Haas needs to take a real close look at his roster with somebody who knows those people and nobody knows them better than Gunther uh, and decide where the issue is and how they get it fixed. But that'll be IO's job going forward. John, I got, I got a question for Dave O'Neill um, because I think he can, he can lend some, thought to this you know that's exactly what bob's just been saying is exactly my question which is okay you've had enough of after 10 years of gunter steiner but you're not willing to invest more as all the other teams are doing in a time where most of these franchises now are worth over a billion you're last in the championship 
and you hand Io a team without a technical director who left differently, but has not been replaced, and without Gunter Steiner, who you know um, is a Formula One insider for many years. So what have you given Io? Um, we were very privileged to meet him. I like the guy. He's got a lot of experience. He's Roman Grosjean's engineer um, for many years. He's a rock climber, but he's got a mountain to climb. Dave, <laughs> what does the guy do? I mean, you know Hello. him, friend of yours. What's he nice, going to do? Nice, nice metaphor. <laughs> I think, um, well, going back to what Bob said, losing two people, he's kind of lost three people because he's lost now AO's team principal. He's lost his chief engineer. So you've got to settle someone oh, right. in that position as well. Um, and then you move someone most likely from the team into that position. You've then probably lost a race engineer, so you've got to promote a race engineer. And it kind of goes on. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, there's probably, I don't know, four or five, six people um, dislodged through that movement. But, you know, it, it goes, the whole thing goes on. The more and more I think about it while you two guys were speaking, it's, you know, when you're on the pit wall and you the rain starts to come, the tyres are wearing out quicker than you think, uh, you get damage on the fir first lap. It's it's typically, you know, the engineering decision is to look at the data and say, oh, yeah, we're losing a bit of time. But also, you know, when Gunter was on the wall, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just AO who'd make the decision and Gunter and, and me. It would be like we'd have a quick discussion and maybe I saw a damaged wing end plate and they're wondering why the tyres are going off. And then, you know, Gunter would say, what do you think? Or AO would, Gunter would say, AO, what's the, you know, how much are we going to have knocked out of us over this 18-lap stint? And all of a sudden that relationship's disappeared because you have full trust in the three people you're talking to to make that decision. And there's mm -hmm. been some decent decisions. You know, there hasn't only been any huge howlers like they've had at Ferrari because of all the changing they've had there um, from the, the strategy or or waiting for someone to give you an answer back at base in the in the um, engineer's room there. It's literally on that pit wall um, that decisions were made. Um, right. So I think that's one of the problems um, that will come and, and harbour harbor itself with, with AO. Who, who sits beside him? and backs him up, tells him he's making a good decision, or, as Gunter used to say, that's a shit decision afterwards or before or whatever. He, you know, it was there, dealt with there and then. Um, and they have a plan to have you hear all the ABC plans, and typically the ABC plans don't function much. It's normally an A and a half and a B and a, B and a quarter <laughs> that you, you end up doing. Um, so that's one thing, and then the other, the, the other big bit for me is which which Gunter was the master of. He was a deal maker. So you know when you're sitting at home and you think, and they mention Red Bull comes from Milton Keynes, they have eight or nine factories that they've morphed out of. Um, you know, just rented the next factory beside that, then the next factory beside that. But they have kept their staff. And the reason they've kept their staff is because they've had the money to do so, the right good contracts. And, of course, who wants to leave when you're winning and getting a 10 or 15 grand bonus at the end of the season as opposed to nothing, you know, when you're working at Haas. So the difference that AO is going to have to concentrate on now is that uh, when we first started and it, and it continued, Gunter did uh, his trip, which was Canapolis, North Carolina, Maranello, 
up to the Lara. So Maranello was where the, the engines and gearboxes came from, Ferrari. Um, and then you'd move on to Delara, and Delara is um, a sports car manufacturer and a single-seater manufacturer that makes the IndyCar chassis and stuff. And that's where the Haas is designed. The design of the Haas takes place at Delara, and also the manufacturing of it. So in the winter now, the team is there putting the, the, the car together for the first test. Um, so you have that that component. So you've got Camapolis where HR and Gene kind of sits. You've got Marinello, where the engine gearbox and most of the components come from. You've got Delara, where the car's designed and built. And then you have Banbury in, in the UK, where the team the team operates out of. And Gunther did that loop every two weeks, every two weeks, and he went to see everyone. There's no way, there's no way that um, AO can jump into that role Um and and also it's almost like I was thinking earlier. It's almost like when Bernie had F one and and um, you know Liberty Media took over. There was no deals written down. You know, it's pretty much there. There is contracts because Gunter was good at contracts. But you're going to have to go and find the contracts. You're going to have to read them. You're going to have to see when they expire. What's involved. And then all of a sudden, you've taken your your your, your eyes off the ball, which is the race and putting the aero there or getting a good driver in or um, a, a program for the for the year. And, of course, the other thing, which is th- this whole thing is bigger than Ben-Hur when you start to peel it. It's like an onion, you know. And the car was signed off in August. They started building it. They've done all the crash tests. They're putting it together in Italy now. That car is basically won't have any influence in it until twenty the mid middle of 25. So he's going to be finishing 10th next year. Mm. Ass will mm-hmm. finish 10th next year, unfortunately, unless something magical happens. So he, he's not only, you know, the, maybe the, the most sensible thing to do would say, hey, Gunter, look, I've had a lot of, uh, you know, enough of all this nonsense on the TV. You know, we need to get back to engineering. How about you be the mouthpiece for it and let's put another three or four super clever people under you and we put them, you know, you take all the, the pats on the back for it and all that, but let's get the clever people working the team and getting it wound up and move forward. And I think that's where it slipped, honestly. I think he was a great guy. He still is a great guy. He's a good friend of mine. Um, and I, I just think there's, you know, the engineering has slipped. Gene... Gene has made that clear. I don't think there's anything else. I know Gene. There's nothing else he cares about. He's got nothing else in life. He cares about his machines and he cares about his racing cars. He doesn't care about anything else. He just wants to win. He wants to be successful. And he's had 10 years of banging a load of cash into it and had a good year the third year in, I think 2018, and they finished fifth in the championship. And... Those are the. That's what's got to be rebuilt, and you need some. You need some clever people. You need a structure, and you need a plan to move forward. Yeah. Hey, and they don't have it. Dave, yeah, I agree. Dave, I, you know, you said you talk about maybe keep Gene if you're if you're Gene Haas, keep Gunther, and then bring some more people in. But I heard Gunther say a few things during some of these interviews, where there was a twinge of of animosity that he let out. He did a great job of saying, "Hey." You know, it's his team. He can do whatever he wants. He can fire me. But he he was upset with Gene, one, about, 
you know, saying it was embarrassing. He he was upset about that. But do you think that the relationship was soured and that's probably the biggest driver? You know, obviously all these other things too. He's, he, you know, he maybe he didn't like the, the celebrity and all that. But do you think the relationship had soured? Don't, I mean, Gene. I don't, Gene doesn't go out have beers with anyone. You know, he's he's solely he's solely business. He's mm-hmm. he said earlier as an introvert, so he just you know he think when when he came to the track, he'd just be in the garage all weekend mm-hmm. watching the mechanics work, picking up things, feeling them. You know, why is this so light? Why did this break after the race? If something had broke, there'd be an in. You know, he he'd start investigating it and. You know, for working out how how it could be fixed, etc. So, the um, I think it was purely business, and you know, sometimes you have to make a change in life, don't you? It's um, the the guy at the top. Um, it, you know, he is different. Gunter is different to how the other teams are structured. Look at what James Vowles has done. You know, he's done. He's come from an engineering background. He was a strategist, super clever guy. And he, t- he he came into Williams and said it was archaic. It was like going back 20 years when he joined it. And if you don't have the money, which I think it all comes back to, you know, if the results were coming in, I would have thought the money was in, in, in the first place, so you'd be getting the results or at least scoring points. But I don't think they've had the, the, the proper money in from the start. I know they haven't, you know, because you... The, the, the money was there, but it wasn't what the others were spending. And then, of course, when the budget cap came along, two years before it came along, the the uh, the bigger teams were throwing hundreds of millions into how can we sort this out when the budget cap comes in? And they've all got, you know, not all of them, but they have some of the top teams have businesses with, you know, they, they have lawyers, uh, strategists all involved in how they can skim this budget cap. And most of them are, you know, they're well over. They've got companies that have got no no internet in the in the buildings. You know, they they're covering the whole thing up. They're spending millions more. And Hass, by the sounds of it, I mean I don't know it for a fact, but by the sounds of it, they were ten million short of getting to the budget cap, which is some super super clever people and also R and D equipment inside the factory that you can use. You can't we, we can't test anymore now. That stops. You know, there's a, there's testing at the beginning of the year. But where they're finding the gains is is testing the vehicles, built-up vehicles in the factory, transient dynos, um, all the CFDs coming along super quickly. Um, and there's loads of areas you can exploit. Um, and if you don't have the money and you don't have the resource, um, you can't start start even thinking about exploiting it, let alone exploiting it. And that's where they're at, I'm afraid. Hmm. It's a bundle of cash. Mm. Yeah, you even yeah. you said they under the spending cap, and that didn't even count all the other things where you can spend money, like driver salaries and and uh, actually employee bonuses and uh, the wages of the top three. There's tons and tons of money that Haas, you know. Gene's argument was they're only 10 million away from the cost cap. Why can't he fix this? Well, what about the other 50 or a hundred million dollars that the other teams are spending? But Jonathan, I know you had a question. Sorry. 
Well, no, it's more common. I mean, I'm no team manager and I'm no millionaire. Uh, Gene Haas is. So I, I, you know, I defer to that brilliance. But I do have a question, which is to use a boat analogy. You know, you can't you can't change tack um, and then, you know, and, and leave the team rudderless. That's my worry for this team. Mm-hmm. They finally got a good sponsor in MoneyGram. But if I were MoneyGram, I would be like, what now, guys? And you've just, mm-hmm. Dave has just brilliantly, brilliantly summed up IO's problem, which is he's yeah. not only got to keep the team going and he's got a lot of respect within that team and he's a great engineer, but where Gunter Sean was his relationship with Ferrari and Vassar, his relationship with the FIA, his relationship with the media, his relationship with two very hard-nosed, brilliant drivers who've given up their careers that were successful and come back to Formula One and, and are hungry to finish their careers in Formula One on a high. That takes some doing. And my question for those that would be interested in now this new franchise of Formula One, which is worth a lot of money, is you need to be bringing Nick Saban in, uh, you know. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it needs it needs yeah. that kind of, okay, it's not Gunter, but it's going to be <clears throat> Omar or it's going to be Bonotto. I mean, you know, Bonotto would be an obvious choice given his Ferrari background. Um, but, right. but what about all those, you know, what, Dave described that two-week circle. Who's going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned MoneyGram. And uh, and you mentioned MoneyGram. They they said uh, pretty much they were there because of Gunther. But so yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah. Well, uh, two things. Number one, um, the biggest fault of the Haas last year was the way it eats its tires. I mean, they'd be yeah right there in qualifying, and then the race they'd fall off a cliff after a point. They've had really no experience with next year's Pirelli tires other than the postseason test at Abu Dhabi. So that just adds one more uh, one more peak in the mountain, to use uh, Jonathan's metaphor, that Ayo Komatsu and the team are going to have to climb. Um, let me ask Dave, do you think... It was wise to hire from within and promote IO or somebody else into the team principal role, uh, or perhaps should they have looked outside, or or will they yet to to get some fresh thinking? Yes, well, I think you know the, it's a good question. The, the the answer to the question is as soon as you start looking for someone with that form of intelligence and experience um like the two guys that have joined um mclaren from red bull it's a two-year process because those guys on a year's gardening leave so what if you said okay let's let's keep ao doing what he's doing and then let's bring someone else in with with a the experience that you're getting rid of which is gunther's you know he's done you know, Formula One for 20 years, he's hustled, bustled, he's, he knows the business inside out. So who else Who else is knocking around that has the motivation, the know-how, and the connections to jump into that position? So that's the first thing to, to try and tick off the list. Um, and then let's say you, you, let's say you picked two guys from Ferrari, one from Red Bull, they're all on a year's notice. So there you go. That's 24 gone. 
And not only that, I don't know if people realise, but as soon as you go on to gardening leave, you're almost put in a cell. <laughs> not quite a cell, but you're put in a room where you can surf the internet all day or design, um, you know, pit stop equipment or you know, wheel nuts or something like that. Who would know, want so to do that? Feel like a man of experience there, Dave. <laughs> so you sit there for a year. You, you're not allowed to talk to anyone. You're not on any email chains or anything. So all the knowledge that you have of that vehicle is disappearing minute by minute, day by day, week by week, because you've got 24 races. Even if you've got 20 races, when I was doing it, every race, even with Haas, there was at least 10 to 15 developments on the car each race not only because it was a long circuit or, you know, short circuit like Monaco or Monza with the straight, whatever, you know, those, those are wing related and brake duct related uh, components that are put on the car. There's other areas, software development, diff development within the software, there'd be a gearbox change, you know, components in there, um, how the engine was run, uh, suspension, camber, caster, all those things were changed. And not only, even if you knew they were changed, you wouldn't know why they were changed because it could have been like they changed the rake on the car, um, they changed the wing levels, they moved the ballast from the front of the car to the back of the car um, in order to get the car to turn in or to oversteer. So all that, all that data that you were growing with, all of a sudden you're lost. So you have to wait a year. And then after that, you've got to get going again because... A lot of the big teams, they have um, a design crew of 30 or 40 designers designing, for argument's sake, the 2024 car, which now in the week or two will be launched. But there's also another 30 or 40 guys that are designing the 2025 car um, and working out what rules have come in, which would be the first thing. And then also what the effects um, of the 2024 car have had, i.e. what good effects and what bad effects. And like what Bob alluded to earlier was the, 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 the problem with the tyres. There isn't a design crew at Haas on the 2024 car that have been looking at the tyres. It's the guys that were finishing and designing the 2023 car yeah. that are going, what are we going to do to sort the 2024 car out that's eating the tyres up during the race? And that's, that's going to be – the can's going to be kicked down the road there because – they don't have 40 people to look at that problem and simulate it um, and do tyre models and, you know, all the, all the various things that the other teams are doing and app. Um, and that's why they have it nailed is because your Formula One's just so technical. You, you just it, – it's difficult to explain <laughs> because they won't let you in inside to it. But that's the problems has and the smaller teams have is to be able to move forward at the same time as race, um, which is really, really difficult. Yeah, that's brilliant stuff, Dave. All right, let's get a quick break in, uh, just our last break of the show, then we'll have a nice long segment after that. You're listening to your Sunday night with Speed City, and that was former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill. Back right after this. Hey, Jonathan, right. yeah. what's yes, the Bob. temperature where you are? Um, it's about 70, 75. 
entire United States except for the coast. It's frigid right We're now. All, yeah, sorry. It's summer here. here. That's the point. It's summer here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, all the guys on uh, YouTube, Jonathan, when you said uh, you started doing football coaches about Saban, they all started saying Belichick and everything else. They forgot to mention the Cowboys coach because he's probably going to be looking for a job after tonight. Oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Don't laugh. Uh, let's see. Well, yeah, they, they were not <laughs> ready to play, I guess. <laughs> Uh, let's see what everybody's it, it is here. a bad that's a bad loss to a to a, a Green Bay side that can't be the side that was Aaron Rodgers' team. Yeah. Which they, is the team he came from yeah. to coach the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He should hey. know what they're bringing. Ouch. Mm -hmm. Uh you guys were talking. Uh Dave, you mentioned Gunther's company, his his uh carbon fiber company. Well, we'll talk after the break. Yeah. I was kind of, um, you know, like, Hold on, one second, just... Dave. yeah, sorry. Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. And it just is going to be so weird to have the Haas F1 team without Gunther. And you know, one thing I fear for the Haas F1 team is without Gunther and languishing at the back, they could just kind of disappear you know they're not going to get the kind of coverage they got with Gunther I mean do you think as guys think I'm crazy it feels like they could just kind of no. go away well I, I think there's a certain amount of pressure or there will be from uh Liberty Media to the TV people to make sure everybody gets covered now whether it won't be to the extent it was when everybody's favorite Gunther was out there but um you know, they'll still get some coverage, but, you know, it's, it's, it's such a rocky situation. I mean, the psychologists will tell us that people work a lot harder when they admire the boss, the leader. Uh, and I'm wondering what the way Gene Haas has handled this for good or ill, uh, and the presence or absence of Gunter Steiner or the, uh, the success or failure of Ayo Komatsu as the new uh, team principal, uh, will affect the general quality of the work and the uh, you know the commitment to the project that you want from top to bottom in a formula one team mm, good point well uh jonathan you had some theories that you wanted to discuss yes uh i want to talk about the future of good to steiner i'm gonna i'm gonna start with a public uh um endorsement and um <laughs> Uh, directly to Gunter. Gunter, if you listen to the show or if you do hear the show, I'd like to officially ask you to come and join Speed City. You are a great pundit. You are a great insider of Formula One. You are out of Formula One right now. And America needs you and wants you and wants you to be part of our show. We've already kidnapped your good friend, uh, Dave O'Neill, and he is chained to that desk you see him at. Uh, come and join us, my friend, because I, I think you've got a lot to offer. And I'd hate to see you on Italian TV or German TV or any other. I'd like to see you with Speed City on Sirius XM and Odyssey. All right, Are you I'm firing me? <laughs> you what? Are you firing me? No! <laughs> I'll, adding, I'll give up I'm my seat another for member Gunther. to the team. <laughs> so Gunther comes to Speed City F1, and now we got to hire a guy who is a specialist on the bleeper. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> not when we're no, on national radio. We don't have to, to worry about that. I tell you what, though. No, yeah, I mean, I'm serious about that, but because I think it would be great. And, no, and I'm sure that Formula One will be thinking in those terms, too. 
Adam Cooper mentioned this in, in, in a piece he did earlier this week because he's huge value to Formula One. And let's not forget all those T-shirts at, at Vegas, um, all the autographs that we saw, you know, he, he, and with the Concord agreement coming up, with Andretti coming into Formula One potentially. Um, but I wanted to kind of just, my theories were I wanted to see what is open to Gunter? And I actually think the future is, you know, my dad always says behind one door shuts, the other one opens. And I think Gunter's doors yeah. are multiple. Hold on, guys. In fact, let's now, we could we... Casey, do you have that clip of Gunther? We have a clip of Gunther. And this is one of the reasons why I think everybody loves Gunther, is because basically he says what you just said, Jonathan. And uh Casey, we got it. Let's hear. Let's hear this. This was an interview he did with Sky. Just a quick few seconds of it. A good period in my life came to an end, but uh, maybe an even better one starts. And and I know that's just a quick little clip, but you know when I heard that, it just makes me smile. And I'm see you smiling right now, Dave, because that's just that's Gunther, right? I mean, I know he has his company to fall back on, but I, I feel like that's just the kind of upbeat personality that he is and Jonathan like you were saying or or no Bob you were saying about how when employees admire their boss and like their mm -hmm. boss I think I think Gunther was yeah. likable like that so sure and put him and Chris Medlin together in the pit lane oh fantastic and, uh, next thing you know we'll be buying straw boaters and canes <laughs> and they'll be they'll be doing a soft shoe out there and, and I really do and I'm dead serious I think the combination of him and Medlin before on our pre-show would be fascinating uh add Dave O'Neill to yeah. that and self Bob uh we've got you know we, we've got a great opportunity to give America a fantastic insight and and I'm hoping that that might be even in a short interim but I would like to discuss you know what Gunter's got ahead of him and that includes the potential of reuniting with Ford Audi uh Alpine, and more importantly, and I'd like Dave's take on this, Andretti. Surely oh. Michael's going to say, that's the guy. I, 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 I'm not sure about those two. Um, there was a little bit of... Uh, oh. little bit of yeah. Gunther was not a fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not... Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, either or, they're not, not fans of each other. But, um, yeah, what what is next? He, he's he's got I'm sure he's got lots of stuff to choose from um but behind the mic uh, people want to hear him for sure um sure. and also gathering a team together you know there's there are teams out there that need help um mm -hmm. he uh, he's a heavyweight isn't he you know he yeah, he, yeah. he's not finished yeah well a couple of years of punditry before he joins out he wouldn't be a bad thing or forward yeah or F1. You know, the FIA need a little yeah. bit of help, don't they? Certainly do. Yeah, I think he's going to the FIA. <laughs> <laughs> now, that would be fun. <laughs> I yeah, saw he's that. contact with Ford. I saw um, Gunther was quoted saying, well, in fact, he was pictured with the, uh, the second person to contact him after the announcement came out, and that was Eddie Irvine. And I've seen a picture <laughs> of the two of them in their Jaguar gear. Um, and Eddie was... Uh, very warm to his, you know, former team boss. One of John, boss. Can, can I throw a, a left field one out there? Absolutely. Well, I, I would argue that the, if Gunter is, as we say, one of the most popular figures in Formula One and a 30-year insider uh, as a team manager, who desperately needs popularity, uh, an insider's work, and a return for the new investors? 
Alpine. Mm. Two very strong drivers, $250 million worth of boxers, golfers, American celebrities, including Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. They're going to want the face of Alpine to change. They're oh, my gosh. Somebody. Ryan Reynolds and Gunther Steiner. <laughs> right. So they need a strong figure like them to represent yeah. them and to represent Alpine. There's nothing wrong with the French and Renault and what they're doing, and there's nothing wrong with the two drivers. But they're not going to capture the worldwide audience the way they are right now. I don't mean that anybody needs to be fired, but if Gunther was looking for mm-hmm. you know, a place to, to fit in, I don't know how he'd work with the French and all that, but I, I do feel that Alpine needs some return on that investment of celebrities. Yep. And imagine what the team meetings would be like between Gunther's accent and the French. Yeah. I mean, it would be World War II all over again. Je suis the wine kills. This is what must. Uh, we can have fun with it. There is a lot of uh, team principal talent out there, it must be said. Gunther joins the ranks of Otmar Safbauer, Oscar Pito, Mattia yeah. Bonotto. And you probably all saw the picture on the internet of, uh, of Gunter and uh, Benato buzzing around in, in a little Renault, you know, not a Renault. They were in a Fiat, Fiat 500. 500. Fiat 500, yeah. 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 At Benotto's, if you haven't uh, seen it, look at it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, very cool. By the way, I went and saw the Ferrari movie on Friday night. That was really, really good. Really. Yeah, I, I haven't really, seen it yet. Yeah, it was really Dave, good. where would you send him? Well, send Gunther? Yeah, I think you know he's out of everyone in the paddock that doesn't work for Ferrari. He knows more about Ferrari than everyone. Yeah, I'd say. Um, even point. even before uh, Vasha turned up, um, I, I would I would have placed him there. There was even before all this happened and before Bonotto was out. They he was so close there. He was you know he spent an awful lot of time there. Uh, and of course, he can speak six languages, so he would have fallen into that pretty quickly. Um, so can't understand any of them, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he knows like dirty words in six languages. Yeah, <laughs> FIA definitely need help. Um, they're yes. they're, um, they're falling into disarray, I'd say. Um, yeah, Ferrari. I don't. I don't know. I think the way some of the teams are going with the the technical directors, like Williams, and then also um, Toro Rosso or AlphaTauri with um, Lauren Markles, um, Williams, they're, they're putting the strategists in charge into the into the team principals role. So your Horners and your your Totos, um, they they don't really have too much to do with. The, the, the way the race plays out, they just come in at the last minute to shut a driver up who's shouting and swearing. But um, the final decisions come down to the strategists and and the engineers. Um, so yeah, Renault sounds a good good place that needs help, um, and maybe maybe Ferrari needs help in the in the inside as well. But hmm. it. It's a bit, it's a bit of a strange one, really. With the, you know, it's like the running a country, I guess, but but not. Um, you you have all your different areas, but the 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 engineering one seems to end up running the running the team, where there's so many different dimensions in the team to get right: the aero, the engine, the gearbox, the staff, the designers, um, to to name a few. 
Um, and behind the scenes, it seems to be the the part that some of the teams are lacking to to organise behind the scene. And the track is just the final part. You know, you're only as good, you're only as prepared as you are when you leave the factory to go to the race. You know, that's that's it really. You your results, your result, unless you get a load of luck or rain. So, mm. yeah. Dave, I heard Gene, I heard Gunther talk about. Uh, his favorite memories of being at the Haas team. And he said his favorite was in 2016 at uh, testing at Barcelona. All the naysayers were there and saying it wouldn't work. And then they scored points in their first race. You were there and you had a, a huge role, a huge part of that success. Uh, do you have the same fond memories as Gunther? And do you have any other favorite memories of being at Haas? Yeah, mine, I think the... We, we, we did the build in uh, at Delara, so um, we turned up there. Um, the, you know, the team was still getting built at that stage. Um, so we, I had another crew of guys going to Barcelona to build the garage because that was the first time the garage had actually been put up, which sounds kind of simple, but, you know, with all the wiring and um, the intercom system, the radio, the telemetry... Um, and then having all the components speak to each other, the engine side, um, the, the chassis side, and then being able to speak back to base and then using all the Ferrari equipment, they had to be able to speak back to um, to their base as well. So that was pretty big. Um, I think when we fired the car up uh, at Delara, that, that's probably the, the first kind of, wow, this is pretty cool, it's real. <laughs> um, the thing cranked over, got oil pressure, cranked it over again, and we had the whole of Delara um, in this tiny kind of room, maybe a thousand square foot. We had one chassis with a second one on its way, and then pretty much everyone from Haas in there uh, building the car, and then making the stores as well because all the components that were getting built, we had to make all the part numbers for that. Didn't have QR codes at that point. Um, so the, the parts were getting put together. So watching that thing fire up um, and, um, you know, rev the thing up to do the oil, check the oil, oil level was pretty cool. That put hairs, slam the hairs back on the back of your neck up. <laughs> then we went to um, Barcelona and I, I was telling John this earlier, We um, I rang up Barcelona and I'm like, oh, you got any film days um, like to rent the track? Like, Who are you? I'm like, I'm just Dave O'Neill, I'd like to rent the track. And, of course, um, they didn't know what was going on, most of the people that were booking anything in. So I managed to get the day, I think it was the Saturday before the test started on the Tuesday, um, and the car did one lap and broke down. Oh, no! <laughs> so we, we did the film day, and there was a couple of people with some iPhones and a few cameras call it a, a film day. Um, so we managed to to get, you know, everything back to the to Delara, fix whatever was broken. Um, and we had a couple of days to get that together. And then when we went out, we were the first car out from memory. Um, testing started at nine o'clock. And I told everyone we have to be the first one out, got into the line and the, um, the light went green. And that was the... That was the first first time the car ran. So that, and then of course, um, goes without saying, scoring points uh, in Melbourne with Alonso's help um, was fantastic yeah. as well. 
Dave, that was brilliant. That was so much fun to watch. Guys, we just looked at the clock. We are out of time. Dave O'Neill, thank you. Bob, Varsha, Jonathan, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday night.